This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Plenty to get to today. Big Wild Game 6. 8.30 p.m. tonight. Wild against the Blues. You know, all the cliches. They've talked about them. You know, take them one day at a time. Got to get their best effort. Gut check time. This is it. They got to do it tonight or their season will be over. Get into a lot of that here in just a little bit. Got to talk a little Lynx basketball. Kent Youngblood will join me here to talk Lynx. Um, their disappointing start. Some of the reasons behind that will debut a new feature whereby you spot a random Twins jersey, t-shirt jersey, whatever it might be that has a, t- a player from the distant past that you might not expect to see on a t-shirt jersey or a regular jersey. You send it to me on Twitter at Randball. Get my attention, and I will talk about that player, that jersey. Um, could be a fun summertime feature. We'll start that today. And an interesting, I don't even know why this is so interesting to me, but the diet of uh, Washington Commanders quarterback has caught my eye as well. So we will talk about that. First, though, what did I miss? It's all about the wild in the early going here, and it will be all about the wild late tonight. Um, the chatter going in is is twofold, and for good reason. Will the wild change its goalie, and can they get some more secondary scoring around Kirill Kaprizov? The goalie question is probably the most fascinating one, right? Because outside of you know, outside of the a quarterback controversy, right? A goalie controversy or a goalie question conundrum is about as good as it gets in terms of sports debates, in terms of energizing a fan base to to talk. Everybody's got their opinion on who it should be, you know, because unlike a lot of other positions on the field or on the ice or on the court, whatever it might be, uh, there's only one that can play at the same time, right? Um, a, a wide receiver controversy in football is not the same because you know, two or three wide receivers get on the field at the same time. Um, you know, other controversies in hockey are different. You know, guys are probably going to play even if they even if they move down to the third or fourth line. Maybe they're going to be healthy scratches. That was a controversy last year with Zach Parisi. But by and large, what we're talking about here is should the, the Wild stick with Mark Andre Fleury, the you know the guy they got at the trade deadline, the guy who's had so much playoff success. But has been, you know, I would characterize as average in this series. He's not been bad. He's not necessarily been the reason they have lost. But I don't think in any of the wins uh, he was the reason they won and certainly did not steal any games for them, did not, you know, keep them from losing a game where maybe they were outplayed. So that that's the question. Should they stick with Marc-Andre Fleury, three Stanley Cup uh, you know, wins to his credit all time, which is, you know, Certainly a reason to think about him in net. Or should they turn to Cam Talbot, um, goalie for the Wild, who's been here for you know been here for a couple of years now, really solidified that position last year. Then this year, hit a slump before the trade deadline. Both he and Capo Kakinen were struggling. Wild ended up trading Kakinen, bringing in Flurry. He and um, he and Talbot kind of split time down the stretch, but Talbot did not lose in regulation in any of his last 16 starts this season down the stretch. 13-0-3, 6-0-1, 6-0-2, 6-0-3, 6-0-4, 6-0-5, 6-0-6, 6-0-7, 6-0-8, 6-0-9, 6-0-10, 6-0-11, 6-0-12
solid save percentage, solid goals against average during that span. So he's also, unfortunately, however, on the other side of the ledger, very much struggled against St. Louis this season. So how do you sort that all out? Do you make a switch because sometimes changing the goalie can change the momentum? I'm kind of advocating for that. So is Chip Scoggins. You can read his column in Star Tribune, startribune.com. That said, I see the other side of it, and if I had to guess, just the way Dean Nevison has gone this series, the way he's talked about things, wouldn't surprise me to see Flurry still in there on Thursday night. I'm sure we'll find out sometime, you know, this afternoon once they do their skate, once they kind of announce the lineups, things like that. But that is going to be a debated topic even after the fact, especially if they lose tonight. Now. We're not thinking about that right now. We're thinking about what goes into a Game 6 win, potentially. The other side of it is they've got to get more production from somebody other than Kirill Kaprizov. He had two goals in uh, in that Game 5 loss. They lost 5-2. Um, had their only two goals. Nobody else scored in that game. He has seven goals in five games in this playoff series, the most in wild playoff history. I think I saw a stat the other day that's the most uh, tied for the most um, in any playoff series in the last ten years in the NHL. He's leading the, uh, the 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 league obviously in playoffs in playoff goals this year. Usually, when a guy produces like that, your team is going to to win the series, and they just have not. They're they're behind three two now in this series, largely because nobody else that's outside of Joel Eriksson-Eck with three goals has really stepped up to provide that supplementary scoring. Nobody else has more than one goal in the playoffs through these five games. And again, sample sizes being what they are, guy has a one goal in five game stretch during the regular season or a zero a goalless stretch during five games of the regular season, nobody probably pays attention. Nobody cares as much. It is magnified in the playoffs and for good reason. This is what everybody plays for. This is the time of year where you have to produce. They absolutely need more from guys like Kevin Fiala, from guys like Ryan Hartman, from Marcus Foligno, from Jordan Greenway. Those guys need to step up. Maybe the fourth line could supply a goal. Hey, that, that's not illegal. Um, they could play better. Maybe they, maybe there's going to be some lineup changes. I'm curious to see what happens with uh, with that, not outside of outside of goalie, but Whatever buttons Dean Everson pushes has got to produce more offense outside of Kirill Kaprizov. I know that sounds simple, but it's just so staggering, right? We've been waiting forever for the Wild to have someone who can elevate his game, who can carry a team in the playoffs. Kirill Kaprizov's doing it, and not enough people are coming along for the ride, and that is frustrating because this is a very good team. This is a team built to win right now. It's a team that had its deficiencies during the year, but has played okay in these playoffs. They should be getting better results based on the talent they have, even if this is a tough matchup for them. So can they stave off elimination tonight, throw it back to XL Energy Center for a Game 7? That is a good question. They have actually had some success all time in Game five, or in game 6s, I'm sorry, um, in the playoffs. All-time playoff record is not good at all. 32 and 57 for the Wild in the postseason. That is positively Timberwolves-esque. But game the game six is in a different story. They're five and three all-time in game six, three and one all-time in game seven. So when they can push a series, they have tended to fare better. Will that be the case this time? Is the question for debate. 
going into tonight's game. And I don't know. I don't know where your confidence is right now. I don't know where their confidence is right now. More importantly, they've been a resilient team. They've been a team that, you know, when pushed, have tended to respond with better efforts. Um, But let's face it, the bottom line with this team is if they don't win tonight or if they don't win this series at the very least, this is a disappointment. This will be a disappointing season because, you know, because last year was supposed to be the year where they got, you know, got that taste. They got to seven games with Vegas, maybe pushed them further than Vegas might have expected. This year, they loaded up. They they made some deals at the deadline. Kaprizov was a year older, a year better. They have all this balance. They've got, you know, the, the Parisi and Suter buyouts aren't hitting the cap in a big way so they can afford certain guys. This is the year for them to make a big, big push in the playoffs. If this comes up short in six games, that would be a disappointment. That would be that would then you'd feel like, well, they can keep retooling, they can keep doing what they do, but are they going to be able to get over that hump, especially as the cap tightens around them in future years with those Parisi and Suter buyouts hitting the books in a hard way. So there's a lot at stake here, not just for this year, but how you think of this team and the narrative going forward. This is a big, big game tonight. Feels like if they can win this one, can find a way to squeeze one out tonight, I think they will win Game 7. But you got to win Game 6 first, and we will find out what they are made of in a little while. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to have Kent Youngblood back on Daily Delivery to talk Lynx basketball today. Kent, for Lynx fans' sake, I wish this was happier news, but the team again has started out slowly 0-3 this season now last year it's good to remember they started 0-4 and then finished 22-10 and so a lot of season left but this one feels a little bit different especially after losing to Indiana on Tuesday a team that has been rebuilding for a while now um, Kent welcome and what's your maybe kind of what's your big picture take so far on on what's what's going on with this team is it just a matter of missing some key players right now or is there more of a long-term you know this season might not go as planned kind of thinking at this, at this point well uh coach was pretty pointed in her comments last night after the loss uh, in indiana talking about how there were players on the team who were having problems in of confidence both with themselves and with the team and my sense is that she thinks she has a team that isn't connected the way that Lynx teams traditionally are. Okay. Um, she also said there are key, without naming names, she also said there are key players who are playing far below their abilities. I think it's pretty easy to point out who that might be. I mean, well, she Angel two, she has two players. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Angel has, has struggled. Um, and, uh, Powers was one for 10 last night with three tone with three turnovers, I believe. Um, you know, Reeve likes to talk about a big three and right now there have been two players that have been playing very well, but there hasn't been a third. Um, you know, the way that powers finished the season last year, there was a lot of reason to think that maybe she was ready to take a step and become something more than what she's done. But so far she's shooting 23%. She's made one of 10 threes. Um, she's turned the ball over a lot. 
um, tends to get the ball in her hands and it tends to stay there at this point. I think she's probably trying very, very hard to work herself through whatever start she's had. But, um, yeah, Coach basically benched both Powers and McCautry for the second half yesterday. Yeah, and so there was, it was that. The first two losses to Seattle and uh, the Washington Mystics, both those teams look like they're going to be pretty good this season, especially Seattle. But Washington's off to a very good start as well and has – Playoff, playoff aspirations. And, you know, we don't want to make too many judgments in a 36-game season after three games, like I said. But you know, we knew there's going to be some challenges coming in with Nafisa Collier not playing at least for a lot of the early part of the season. She's expecting a baby very soon. Um, this is Sylvia Fowles' retirement tour, but she's been playing very well. They're trying to kind of squeeze one more year of, of success built around her, I mean, Kayla McBride, obviously, when she returns from playing overseas, helps quite a bit. But, you know, be, beyond that, some interesting roster decisions. And I want to kind of talk through this with you first. You know, I think it was right before the season started. So it would have been, you know, middle of last week or so, you know, cutting Laisha Clarendon and um, Crystal Dangerfield. Dangerfield winding up with Indiana and having a pretty good game on Tuesday in, in helping them get the win over the links and Clarendon, obviously someone who helped them tremendously last season kind of turned that Owen four start around. What did you make of those moves, both in the context of this team, whether it's injuries or, you know, the salary cap being a tricky thing for them too, because they have so many veterans and it's a hard cap league. Yeah. I think um, my take on the Clarendon thing was that there were concerns about, about their ability to remain healthy throughout a compacted 36 game schedule. And given their, their cap situation, it would be very hard to, um, to carry somebody whose contract would become guaranteed once, once they started the season with the links. Um, and what happens if that, if, if Clarendon breaks down and can't play, I, I don't know. I think there's probably some disagreement from the two sides on just how ready Clarendon was, but, uh, Clarendon did come up and miss the first preseason game because of soreness in the same leg and was limited in the second preseason game. And I just felt like the links, this is my take that they probably thought it was a gamble. As for, for Dangerfield, um, coach has said many times that it had nothing to do with anything that Dangerfield did wrong. It was just a matter of what skill set they wanted to get at that position. They, they clearly chose Rachel Bannum over Crystal, and, you know, that's a tough call. They have different assets and different pluses and minuses. But I will say that, that the, the guard play so far has been this team's problem. They're playing very well in the post. Fouls is fouls. Um, and last night, 26, 14, four steals, two blocks. I mean, that's unbelievable for somebody whose career is almost over. And, and Shepard has been – has played at a different level too. I mean, she was one assist short of a triple double last night. She's averaging a double double through three games. So their post play, in my opinion, has been pretty good. Sure, but uh, but this team does have problems. They in in each of the three games they've had one quarter that's just done them in. Um, I think Seattle scored what thirty four point thirty four points in was it thirty four points in the third quarter the other night after a tie game at half and. Washington without Deldon, with only eight healthy players suited up, 
The Lynx had like four had points. Twenty three to four second quarter. Yeah, second quarter is twenty three to four. That was amazing. Yeah, that, that. Yeah, that was. Um, you know, since the league went to quarters, I think in two thousand six, that's tied for the least they've ever scored. Wow. They had one field goal in that quarter, and it was by it was by the the Serbian that they signed as a replacement player, Milic. And then last night they're up by a, they're up. T- 10, I think, or 10, nine or 10 after the first quarter, and they get outscored 36 to 18 in the second quarter. Uh, it's, it's, uh, every, there are runs in every game, but this team, when things are going bad, has have had a very difficult time stopping the bleeding. Now they're missing Odyssey Sims against um, Indiana as well. A, seemed like a late departure, late scratch from availability for that game. At least, so it just feels like there's a lot of kind of roster churn right now. A lot of a lot of people coming yeah. in, coming out late, and that that feels like you know I, I know they're trying to build. You know, I feel like they're going veteran heavy um, as they try to kind of build around fouls for one more year. But you know, it probably feels like it's going to take them a while to find whatever chemistry they might find when they're swapping in bodies uh, pretty quick, and some of those players just aren't available right now. I agree. Um... I mean, not having McBride is, is hard, and it's going to be a while. She might miss six, seven games before it's all said and done, before she even gets here. Um, Achan was now hurt. Could be out three weeks with a, ha- with a hammy. Uh, Collier, I'll be, I would be surprised if she plays this year. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a two-time All-Star and one-time Olympian that's not on your roster. Um, it's, there are challenges. Uh, I will say, though, that the track record is that this team does get better as the season goes on. I think it's a pretty good coaching staff. Um, but, boy, they are – I think they're kind of hamstrung at the guard position right now, especially if Powers doesn't get on track. I mean, they started uh, Turner last night at the point. She had six turnovers. Yeah. It's kind of hard to overcome. I mean, I, th- I think uh, Indiana scored 24 points off of turnovers last night. It's amazing. Well, the league, I mean, I've talked about this a little bit on the show. I mean, the league has made some obvious strides with, you know, cutting the, cutting the pay gap, paying players a little bit better with that most recent CBA, but it also seems to have trimmed, you know, whether intentionally or unintentionally, a lot of teams carrying 11 players now because they just can't afford more than that. And that's got to be hurting a team, especially like the Lynx that has, Dependent on a lot of veterans lately, you know, I know they've had obviously Collier and Dangerfield were back-to-back rookies of the year, but a lot of the team is built around, you know, some of these more experienced, high-priced veterans. Do you get any sense that that will, will change at a certain point or do the, do the Lynx need to update their strategy a little bit to have a, you know, a, a, a better mix of players so they aren't, you know, caught in the situation where they can only carry a certain number? Well, I think, uh, I think that, if you look at this year, I think the, the goal was to try to surround Falls with enough veteran experience that they could be competitive. Then Clarenton clearly had some issues health-wise that scared him a little bit. And that was a huge deal. She oh, was, yeah. Uh, they, were a, they were a huge deal in the turnaround last year. You know, leadership, steady play at the point, you know. And, uh, and I think McCautry's return after missing another year with a knee surgery has been stop and start. I think it's been difficult. And I think 
the best case scenario is that they were hoping McCautry could fill in much of the scoring that they were missing with Collier. Um, hasn't happened so far. But uh, I don't know exactly what they're going to do at the point going forward. I think something has to happen. I don't know what. Um, I'm pretty satisfied that Shepard's a pretty consistent power forward and that falls as follows. And if powers can, can get back to the kind of play that she's shown in the past and McBride comes, I think they'll be more competitive going forward, but I think there's work to be done. And Indiana is a good kind of cautionary tale for when, you know, things take a turn. Sometimes they don't take a turn back up very fast. And I was just looking at it. Indiana was in the playoffs 11 years in a row, just like the Lynx, um, you know, they, their level of success wasn't quite as high, but they won a title, I believe, 2012. Was that over the Lynx, I yeah. believe? And yeah. they uh, they lost to the Lynx, I believe, in a different uh, in WNBA Finals, maybe 2015. Um, you know, made, yeah. like I said, 11, 11 postseasons in a row. And then it kind of, you know, they just had a year where, Everything fell apart, and they have not gotten back to the playoffs yet. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with the Lynx after watching three losses, but it does tell you there is a fragility to winning, uh, even when you're used to it happening. No, no question. And uh, but I, I was, you know, saying I think I think the team's philosophy changes a bit next year. Fouls will be gone, as will a huge amount of cap space will be will come free. Um. I think you saw that this team was kind of betting on the future when they traded their picks to Las Vegas for first and second round picks next year. So they'll have two first round picks and two or three uh, second round picks. I, I think that I think this team's philosophy I think will change a little bit next year and, and look more towards a future type situation. Um, it's just you know it, you know it's interesting you know Reeve is very loyal to players that have been loyal to her. Yeah. And she basically let the championship core go on until it couldn't anymore. I mean, they could have been more proactive and maybe broken that up before, but she wasn't going to do that. And then they had a difficult year. And then Maya Moore went off to fight social justice issues and, and, and the band kind of broke up. They've maintained at a certain level since then. But uh, I think next year, you know, armed with a lot more draft capital and more cap space, they'll probably be a bit more aggressive, but plus they'll have, you know, they'll have a core back of, you know, they'll have McBride and they'll have powers and they'll call here, you know, it, the cupboard is not as bare as what was left in Indiana after catching split. No, that's for sure. Um, Kent final thought for you, um, you know, like you said, this is a team that tends to get better as the years go on. Um, Cheryl Reeve, a big part of that. She and her coaching staff, a big part of that. That said, what do you, what do you think she thinks of this team right now? You can't add it a little bit that you know their players maybe not playing with a lot of confidence or maybe not playing the way that she wants to see them play. Do you think she has the confidence that they can turn that around at some point here fairly soon? Well, I mean, she said last night, one of the first things she said was no starting spot is guaranteed. Um, she said that before. To me, the key is getting aerial powers kind of back into a better space. I think, I think that if, if powers, if, if you know powers is going to come out and, you know, 
she can play a physical game at the offensive end and, and get her 15, 20 points on a regular basis, that, that makes a big difference for a lot of other people. Right now, teams are basically letting her shoot, and she's missing. Um, she's a good player. She scored big in the past. She was fantastic down the stretch last year. But I, I do think I do I think that this this I think that there's a lot of work to be done in getting this team kind of on the same page, playing the way she wants to play. And I think it's interesting that the second half last night, Fowles, it was Fowles and uh, Shepard, Bannum, Turner. I mean, they got they got the majority of the time, and and uh, Bridget Carlton, and those are and, and at least four of those players are veteran Reeve players who know how Reeve likes to play. And they played better. They gave up, what, 36 points in the second quarter, and they gave up 34 in the second half. So yeah, um, it'll be interesting. They have a uh, day off today, and they have two days of practice before defending champion Chicago comes to town. I would imagine that those would be very interesting practices. I would think so as well. I was just going to mention it doesn't get – much easier, like you said, with defending champion Chicago coming to town. They play the Sparks next Tuesday. The Aces after that. It's a, it's a good league. The teams are stacked up, and uh, they need to start playing better soon if they are going to turn this around. Kent, good stuff. Appreciate catching up with you, and we'll do this again soon, all right? Yeah, thanks, Mike. You know, the bummer in all of this, like Kent touched on, is that Sylvia Fowles, in her final season, has been very good so far, averaging like 18 points, nine rebounds, a couple steals a game, a block a game. You know, she's been good this year. She's been, you know, every bit uh, every bit the player she's been in the past, even as she is getting ready for retirement. It's just nobody else, kind of like the Wild, kind of like with Kaprizov in the playoffs right now. Nobody else is coming along for the ride right now, or not enough people are coming along for the ride right now. And maybe that gets smoothed out as the year goes on, as they kind of find their footing as they get some of these other players back and performing how they think they will perform. But right now it's been pretty ragged for the Lynx. We'll have to see if they can turn things around. And like Kent said, does not get any easier with Chicago defending WNBA champion, the team that knocked the Lynx out of the playoffs last year, coming up next on Saturday. Let's move on to a new segment that I will tentatively call, Hey, That's a Pretty Random Twins Jersey spotted the other day by my good friend Anthony Maggio, a woman at Target Field wearing a Terry Tiffy t-shirt jersey. Um, Amazing seeing that out in the wild right now. But uh, kind of prompted this little segment. I've had some people send me some other stuff that I will load up for future podcasts. But Terry Tiffy, that is a deep vintage cut on a couple different levels. One, not really a player who had a lot of run with the Twins. I mean, he had the 243 career at-bats, almost all of them with the Twins, got four at-bats with the Dodgers a couple years after he left the Twins, but 2004, 2005, 2006, played with the Twins in parts of those years. Biggest run in 2005, uh, did not have a great amount of success, hit 207 for them that year. You know, overall for the Twins, he did okay, you know, 625 OPS, five homers, 29 RBIs. Primarily a third baseman, played a little first, play, uh, played a little first base as well, and uh, looks like he DH'd a little bit as well. So interesting, um, interesting pull there. Not just from 
the uh, you know the standpoint of he's not a, a, a not a player you find uh, a lot these days. But that's a that's an old that's an old shirt, right? Oh four, oh five, oh six. Had to hold on to that thing for you know almost two decades in order to pull it out on a uh, on a nice spring night this year at Target Field in 2022. Made the trip from the Metrodome all the way to Target Field. So good for her. Good for Terry Tiffy. Um, let's remember. Uh, that some of these players, you know, obviously are way better than we will ever be. We're not trying to make fun of them, just saying, wow, I had not really remembered that player until I saw that jersey. Let's finish with the cooler. I, I don't know why I'm obsessed with this story, but Washington Commanders rookie quarterback Sam Howell from uh, coming out of North Carolina has never eaten any kind of meat other than chicken. Which is fine. It's you know who cares what somebody eats, but it sounds like he won't he won't try other meats, and he mostly eats chicken tenders and chicken nuggets, which means he would fit in pretty well in my house um, with my eight year old, five year old, and two year old, but twenty one year old man who only eats chicken tenders and chicken nuggets really, and who brings his own. Chicken, chicken fingers, chicken nuggets, chicken tenders, whatever it is, to events because he doesn't want to eat what's on the menu. That to me just it's just it it kind of cracks me up. I am not I'm not ripping on him. I just think it's funny. Um, the story is this story actually came out a couple years ago, but it's been revived now that he is an NFL quarterback. So watch for that. I don't know what your what your food quirks are. I don't never I don't really have a food quirk quite like that, but. Um, I wonder if at some point his teammates are just going to have him try something. Maybe that's a rookie hazing. Here, have this hamburger. I don't know. But it is a it is a funny, funny thing. And uh, maybe just a, a palate that, uh, that is a, as a preference that, uh, that maybe he will outgrow someday. That will do it for today's show. Got a little silly at the end there. Will not be too silly on Friday's show. Going to break down game six, Wild versus Blues. ESPN's Malika Andrews will also be on the show to talk NBA. Should be a good conversation with her. And NFL schedule comes out tonight. We'll have a breakdown of that on tomorrow's show as well from the Vikings standpoint. Thanks for joining me here today. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again on Friday.